Hello, this is the Getting Simple podcast, and this is your host, Nono Martinez Alonso. I hope you enjoyed this interview today. Before getting started, I just wanted to let you know that you can find a detailed list of episode notes at gettingsimple.com forward slash eight for episode number eight. Getting Simple is about simplifying your life, about trying to do less things, but doing them better. A journey to a simpler and more balanced way of living. In this podcast, I'll interview people to see how certain ways of living improve their life quality and discuss with them the impacts of the adoption of certain routines and habits in their daily lives. Welcome to the Getting Simple Podcast. Getting Simple is about simplifying your life and doing less better. Today, I'm super lucky to be able to talk to Saurabh Matre. Uh, Saurabh is um, a friend of mine from, from Cambridge. And as myself, uh, his background is in architecture. He uh, currently works at the MAPS uh, Research Group at the Harvard Graduate School of Design, also in collaboration with the VIS Institute. And in his daily job, he plays um, with uh, 3D printing, robotics, and smart materials. He was uh, born and grew up in, in Mumbai, in India. And he's been living here in Cambridge, Massachusetts for five years right now. So I would really appreciate if you can introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about, about what you do. I don't know. Uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I have a background in architecture and I'm currently working in a research lab, which is MAPS, Material Processes and Systems Group at Harvard Graduate School of Design. Uh, the main focus of our lab is we use robotics and fabrication as a way to add novelty to existing processes. We collaborate a lot with industries and see how addition of automation can give them more novelty in their existing workflows. Also, another really interesting part of my job is I get a chance to work a lot with people from dis different disciplines, uh, especially the different schools in Harvard, like the School of Engineering, the Wies Institute of Biological Engineering. So it's exciting to be as a designer, architect, sitting with mechanical engineers, material scientists in the same room and discussing on how to solve problems together. So yeah, that's like the best part about my job. So um, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Well, my day-to-day, -day, I'm definitely like, I do a nine-to-five job, but one advantage of being in this educational environment is that there's so many things happening all the time. Uh, you have a lot of uh, amazing people coming to give talks. You have um, a lot of exhibitions going on. So definitely being a part of a larger academic community, I do have a lot of flexibility in terms of getting access to attend all of these lectures, being able to listen to all of these accomplished people and interact with a lot of topics which might relate or may not relate to my field. So if you think you have one, um, what would you say is your mission or the contribution you want to make in the design field? 
personally uh, i love doing projects which deal with different disciplines just as i said before like working with people with different backgrounds to see how what kind of ideas they bring to the table based on their discipline and being able to say that oh i would never have thought about this it's really exciting to be able to open up and even look at different ways of how different people would think and also to able to, to be able to put something on the table from my background as an architect and designer could you name a few of the projects you've been involved lately and in the last few years we work a lot with a ceramic company and um, right now ceramic as a material has been used mostly for aesthetic reasons in buildings but we're trying to see how introducing automation or for to be more specific a six axis robot if we are able to use a robot how can we change uh, the workflow of these companies to go from mass production to mass customization just introducing a robot gives rise to like the complexity is very cheap but you can get a lot of novelty in terms of the products that you make hence we also do a lot of 3d printing of ceramic and concrete so which is exciting because as an architect you always supposed to work with a given palette of materials but being in this environment where you have a lot of different disciplines you get the ability to even design your own material which is really exciting we also work a lot with uh, material scientists from the wies institute and we basically see scientists have a certain scale at which they work so when we collaborate with them we see how things that they work on how can that be scaled up does it even make sense to scale it up how can you see its relevance to the, like the larger building scale so and can you talk about uh, the current research that you're doing yeah so currently we are working with the wies um, and looking at how can we develop deployable mechanisms at multiple scales and what are, what markets can this mechanisms be useful for like starting from a scale of medical devices to larger scales of deployable shelters or space deployables do you think there's room for minimizing the space that certain objects take for example in storage or like uh the amount of objects that you can carry in your daily life with you in your backpack mainly only in, in in your car yeah this whole idea of deployables has a lot of potential because most of the objects for example 3d forms in general that you have it as soon as the form is 3d it definitely takes a lot of processing to make a 3d form as compared to simple flat forms so that's why deployables have so much potential because in one state you have the same object as completely flat and in another state based on minimal actuation it can be deployed to a 3d form So I'm going to stop you there for a second. So can you actually define or give a brief description for people who are not in your field uh about what a deployable? What do you mean with deployable? A simple way to put it is pop-up. Things which has multiple states and especially in terms of deployable, the initial state would always be categorized as something which occupies really less volume, less space and in its actuated or deployed state 
would pop out to perform a certain function comes to mind in the field of like clothing there is a lot of clothing that when you fold it it takes really really small amount of space in a suitcase or in your drawer or something but others are really bulky they they take so um what daily objects do you think these deployable systems that you're developing or maybe also others could replace the main value proposition that deployables have is that especially when you're looking at temporary objects like especially for events etc that you need to ship a lot of these objects to perform a certain function at a certain point in time but as soon as the um, the event is over you need to again send these ob- objects back and shipping here in any case is super costly so just the idea that if you have an object which can occupy really less space while shipping and then it can pop up to for, perform its function when actually needed yeah i mean i i think this concept can be extrapolated to almost anything i mean unless you're using something if when you are not using something it folds and it takes less room in your storage at yes. home or whatever you have to put it i think it's a it's a plus and Yeah no I mean and do you know of any examples of objects that like people use daily that already work this way not not necessarily with the same deployable system that you're developing but any other systems I would say like like IKEA chairs that we're sitting right now they fold and then you can put them flat stacked with yeah, each like other Yeah like furniture is like one of the most obvious examples that you can see like most of the IKEA folding tables uh, are deployables and it relies on the whole idea that you can fold them store them when you're not using them occupying really less space and when you need them you can just deploy it another really uh, prominent example is all the temporary tents that you use even hiking tents they are made up of a kit of parts which occupy really less space they are made up of material which is super light so you can ideally carry it with ease so these are like very basic prominent examples of deployables so leaving aside the thing that i mentioned about like simplifying a bit the the fact of that you ship something or that you store it uh what things uh is this going to enable for example i was thinking on maybe under developer areas like things that you couldn't deploy there right or you couldn't get there maybe is this something that you have also thought about So another example is especially when you have satellites which are launched into space right uh, these satellites contain a lot of small moving parts and which have to be folded into the least volume as possible because deploying something out in space is a very costly affair and that's why the cost rises as with weight so something which ca- has least volume possible and which can uh, deploy into any kind of shape with a large surface area to facilitate solar cells etc would be a plus so is there anything uh that you've come across uh when working with engineers and material scientists from the cambridge area and the bc institute and harvard that has surprised you over the last years yeah i i really love the fact that everyone here is very open minded they have this keen um keenness to learn from other professions too 
so as much as i enjoy learning from them even they really love to see how designers and architects think and for me uh, from from when i was a child i've i've been always interested in making things and just to be able to uh, think like an engineer uh, has been something which i have been doing since i joined architecture school and right now just having access to the wis institute uh, and the equipment it basically gives me a platform to go more deep into the kind of research that i do and not just leave it based on my profession as a designer and architect what are some other projects that uh you would like to work if you had more time well i would love to work on projects which deal with design and architecture with a equal emphasis on material science to be able to design envelopes not based on the available palette of materials but to be working closely with scientists and designing our own material based on the kind of performance that we wanted to show are there any materials or any mechanisms that are widely known here on the research and that will be on the market in the next years but that we still don't see them on daily products there's a lot of interesting research happening in the wis institute where they are looking at different kinds of coatings at a nano scale on how geometry can change the color of the object the way the angle you view them from and in general the ideology of the wis is to look at all of these projects and see how these projects can be actually relevant into the market like what applications can they have out there in the real world so there are a lot of examples like slips which is a super hydrophobic coating um there's a lot of work being done on micro robotics of how these really tiny robots can help in um, the medical field so let's uh change a bit topics and let's center more on like you and like your daily life so the first thing uh would you consider your life simple <laughs> well <laughs> not at all actually like <laughs> I just feel like life is never simple. It just it just based. I I I try to keep my attitude very simple. Like I do whatever makes me happy. Well, how do you determine what that is? For a couple of years back, I have was always the kind of person who used to think and plan a lot, and I used to worry a lot as soon as whatever I plan never used to go the way I wanted. Just with time, I've realized that there's only a certain amount that you can control. and the main thing is to develop a attitude where you are just ready and you shape yourself to be ready for anything so what are some of the things that you've identified that make you happy activities or things that you i i really love to be outdoors i love walking so even when i go to work every day i always end up making that 25 minute walk to work and back and for me it's not just about the walking but for me it's a kind of meditation i get a chance to think or maybe sometimes like not think about anything like it's just that peaceful walk and for me it has nothing to do with the weather too like i did feel like oh in the snow it might be difficult but i've actually even enjoyed it even during like 
harsh weather season just to be able to go out there where especially living in boston when everything around you is white covered in snow no people outside because people do not like walking in the snow so they're taking public transport but i love it just being there alone in solitude just to be able to walk it's amazing of how like the city transforms i think even when it's is snowing it's even more introspective it's like yeah it 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 forms like the perfect context right like environment to kind of reflect what about exercise what things you do outdoors yeah like as i said um, i really enjoy spending time outdoors i actually make it a point to go kayaking every week and even kayaking for me is a form of meditation i really love water i love activities associated with water i would rather prefer going kayaking than to go in a gym and work out i end up going kayaking uh, here on the charles river and also on the mystic river both of the rivers are very different because being on the charles you do get a sense of you're still in the city but being in the mystic river is more closer to nature do you think uh, or have you identified you have any daily habits well <laughs> one one habit i really ha- uh, have daily is every morning i get up i need to have my one cup of masala chai <laughs> to run me through the day like that's one of the ha- habit which i still follow and it's definitely weird but i somehow try to keep away from habits because somehow i don't like following like a set habitual co-pilot attitude you know like and that again goes down to the same uh, thing that i mentioned earlier that i do what i want when i feel like it you know what role does technology play in your life technology plays a very important role because i guess my whole my profession is associated with technology from the moment i came to harvard i did my masters in design technology but also coming from mumbai it gives me a lot of contrast to think about how conditions are there and how technology is being used there as compared to being used here in US uh, as soon as i came to the, to to this university here they had six axis robots they had a lot of fabrication facilities but back in mumbai when i was doing my architecture school all of these technologies did not exist so that's why i learned to do everything by hand and i feel that going through that rigorous process of doing everything by hand and then eventually coming here and learning all of these things puts you in a really nice place to be able to know when technology is needed and when it's not have you i mean what's the difference between living in mumbai to living in the us if you can summarize that or when i was doing architecture school in mumbai i was really interested in parametric architecture where where basically use of fabrication tools and robotics and how can you use these things to assist you in design and architecture and at that point the internet was my only source to know about these things like i self taught a lot of software all via the internet but for me the main reason to come to the us was that all of these universities are equipped with these tools and it would give me a chance to actually work with these tools hands on and how would you say apart from work and technology how would you say your life is different uh, in the us than in india coming to the us definitely made me be more independent and um, yes when i was back in india in mumbai i was pampered i was like a pampered child and i used to depend a lot on my parents for everything and just coming to the us was putting myself 
out of my comfort zone from the time i came here i ended up living in an apartment and not even in the dorm so just going through the whole process of living and doing everything by myself on my own helped me a lot to grow as a person i know also you are and this is completely disconnected but you're also a really big uh photographer like you love photography and i i mean i i also like it and i just wanted to hear your take on how that piece of technology that you really i mean i i'm going to put words in your mouth but that you really enjoy How does actually, what's the contrast between things that you like about it and things that you hate about it in terms of the technology? The technology, like, it's really interesting that for me, my love of photography started from the moment I joined architecture school. Every year we used to have these trips where we used to... Well, now I'm going to interview here. What's your Instagram handle so people can pick in your photography <laughs> before you continue? <laughs> oh my God, I would... I really don't want to do self publicity <laughs> but uh, it's um, SM8928 yeah so as i was saying that my passion for photography started when i joined architecture school uh, being in architecture school we used to end up going to uh, two trips every year and um, every trip we used to do it in a part of india which had a very rich cultural heritage the way photography for me started was uh, one of my friend had a dslr camera and at that point i did have a camera but it was one of those uh, point, uh, cheap point and shoots at that point but i just asked my friend if i could try my hand at a dslr and i clicked two photos with her camera after i got those two photos they were amazing and for me like that was the moment when my uh, like passion for photography started and after that eventually i ended up getting a digital camera a nikon d60 at that point and i ended up clicking a lot of pictures like a lot of pictures and i i use social media in general to know a lot about photography like i still follow a lot of amazing photographers not just uh, regular photography but also people who do fine arts and just using different techniques in photography I really wanted I I saw a lot of people doing light painting at that point and I loved it and I taught myself oh how do you even do this and for that okay the DSLR was definitely a plus to have right now I mean like I started photography from 2007 and I also ended up getting into workflows of okay after you click a lot of pictures what do you use to edit them I ended up using Lightroom but every trip I ended up going I used to have thousands of pictures having thousands of pictures I had to spend so many hours even after clicking to sit and edit them and after editing okay there might be some blurred uh, some might be out of focus but out of 1000 it would come down to 800 and at that point social media was like oh okay you can easily like upload that many but then after photographing for a lot of time it just occurred to me by experience that like okay if every time i click i would think about what i am clicking and not even take a photo if that moment is lost right like the whole idea that because we have a digital camera we have the ability to take as many pictures as we want it just felt so much efficient to come to a point where okay i'm going to click only 50 pictures and out of those 50 pictures even if one is slightly blurred it's gone like the opportunity is lost and that's what that's how i like sort it out you know 
out of those 50 pictures even if i get like five pictures fine and that's worth it so for me right now with the dslr camera especially with the fifth generation of cameras the size has become smaller etc but i still love carrying my dslr with me when required and i do have a iphone now which i do use quite often for unplanned trips so is this a restriction that you set to yourself the taking only 50 images yeah means it's not uh, it's not a hard line restriction but i am very conscious now and very mindful of how many pictures i'm taking because now by experience i know the amount of time it actually takes to edit them sort them and then upload them so i am very uh, what you would say critical of whenever i'm clicking a photo how i frame it it's very like i i just become really mindful of it now and how do you feel about the digital clutter and the storage that you need to use for that how do you deal with that yeah i mean even for me like it started off like when i used to click thousands of pictures like okay you need to have that much space and it was so common at that point to just have five to ten hard disks keeping them here there sorting your pictures so i guess just the fact that when you limit yourself and you are more mindful of what you're clicking it just helps you not only in terms of the amount of time that you spend editing it but also in terms of storage i do love the fact that okay now all of these storage uh, platforms are cloud-based which is really amazing but then i i also feel that with more and more space it just makes you click more and more pictures which i do not believe in yeah it's uh it generates a slack so you have more space you have like you can buy into more space or you can get another hard drive or pay for online storage and then you start feeling that you don't have the limitation again right and yeah but that removes the the what you said before the filtering when you're taking the picture telling yourself oh this picture was blurry let's just delete it or the moment was lost let's not even bother and I think, yeah, I mean, I re I'm a really big believer in filtering before generating something. So even before you generate, because there's like a, a footprint, uh, like time investment, selection, choosing, storing. There's like a, a huge um, problematic that this is going to generate for you. One more thing I feel is that another good way to sort it out is imagine if you take a photo if you feel that this is the kind of photo that you would actually print it out and put it on your wall, then it's the sort of photo that I would keep, you know, like there are two kinds of photos, right? Like one is in which you, it's a medium where you want people to see what you're seeing. And one is when you click photos with your friends, when you click photos about memories, it becomes a memento for yourself. At that point, you are very critical of like when I click a photo with my friends, it's not just about uploading it to social media, but it has, it's a memento of the experience I've had. So what's your relationship with social media? For me, uh, social media, I feel is really important. Like most of the things that I know and have learned is because of social media. I love making things and yeah, like making things, photography, uh, visual effects, software, like social media for me is like a window to see all the interesting things that are happening out there in the world. It makes me aware of the things happening within my interest and sometimes also 
gives me a chance to see things which I might not know about but might get interested in later. But can you name I mean this is things you like but can you name something about social media that you don't like so much? Mm, definitely I don't like the way social media is being used to create biases in people with all like the echo chambers, fake news, breach of privacy. So these things which I really don't uh, I, I do not like about social media but one more thing i don't like about social media is i guess the whole attitude of how people are hooked on to it that even if you are with a group of friends everyone is in their own world of social media even though they are like physically there with each other and that's something i really hate and that's why personally whenever i am out there with friends i really do not like to engage in social media at all I feel social media is a good platform to start a connection and then you it just takes it should just take the back seat and let people interact with each other in person. How do you disconnect? Yeah, as I said, um the way I disconnect is whenever I'm out with friends or with people, I do not touch my phone. I would only use my phone if I need to take a picture and that picture may may not be of the person but for me just having a iphone camera whenever i see something interesting i feel like oh like just because of my passion in photography i have to take a picture and what do you feel if you are on the go and you forgot your phone or you don't have battery and then you want to take that picture or send a message well uh, <laughs> when these things happen you it's just a matter of like knowing that okay that moment is lost you know like it's there's no point like worrying about things like sometimes you see people there's no charge in the phone so they would try and like scamper and worry to see oh how can i charge my phone but like sometimes it's just like better to let it go like sometimes it's not meant to be because it's not about just recording things i think it's more important to experience them and yeah if you don't have a phone it's fine you know you still have experienced the moment can you think of moments when you get bored being in cambridge boston it's there's always something happening around here so for me whenever i end up getting bored or i would say more of lazy that i don't feel like doing something i just look at what's happening around there there might be things which i might be interested in but sometimes there might be things which i have no idea about a few years back i was this sort of person who if there was something happening which i have no idea about i would always feel a bit hesitant to go to these things but i just feel right now the kind of person i am i love putting myself out of my comfort zone and doing things which i am not comfortable with because it's just that first step that you take to just say yes i want to do it and after that after the experience you end up feeling really good that you did these things Can you name things that make your day more complex and they maybe could just not be there? I somehow feel that if I plan my day too much, it tends to get really complex because there's always a worry to see if everything is going according to plan or not. The way I try and simplify it is to just plan few things, important things and keeping the rest of the day very flexible so that there's no uh, worry about me trying to do 10 things in one day but rather focus my full energy on doing less things better have you bought anything of 100 dollars or less in the last year that 
has made an impact in your life? Well, like one thing that I can think of is um, there's a lot of times that I end up having a lot of ideas and sometimes it's very difficult for me to like like categorize them and stuff. So this is my personal like favorite is to have Evernote and I just like logging all my ideas in it because a lot of these things might be associated with my work. Sometimes they're not. Like I end up keeping a lot of things aside to do later. And for me, it's very important to be able to like keep a note of all of these things. What's your take on physical belongings? I guess a few years back, I was a very materialistic person. But I feel over the past few years, life has in general taught me that um, like being materialistic is not a good thing. And there are other things which matter more. And um Right now, I wouldn't say I am a complete minimalist, but I would still say like I really am aiming to be a minimalist because objects are just objects. You know, there's so much more important things in life. Are there other software applications that you use daily that help you out with your day to day? Yes, um, I definitely, as a part of my work, I do use Evernote. I use Toggle just to keep a track of my time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even though it's, it's almost like something which I do for myself just to keep a track of what projects I'm working on, how much. It's not a necessity, but I like to see the amount of time I'm spending on a particular project and just to make a sense of the balance I on the number of hours I'm working. And also, especially for me, being in an academic environment, it also is a very efficient tool to start and stop my time because um, while working, when uh, there's flexibility, if there's a good talk or lecture going on, it's uh, more efficient for me to see how much time I've been out of work and then again come back in and cover up my hours accordingly. So this is, so Toggle is a tool that we both use that is making our life simpler or at least is making us give more importance to certain things, right? Um, how would you think that the work that you're doing right now or some of the projects that you're doing might make other people's lives easier in any way? Well, definitely um, it's very specific to certain markets, for example. And, and I want to clarify, it might be either easier or more joyful or happier, you know, like. For, for me, I would say I won't talk about very specific projects, but for me, like, I would love people to see the nature of the intercollaboratory work that's happening around here. And just the fact that as a person with a background in architecture, you have the ability to design so much more and so many other things, too. Like the rules are, are the same, especially when you are collaborating with a lot of different people from different fields, you have a mutual understanding and mutual respect with them. And you know that they are going to bring to the table something that you would not have thought of. And just having that openness is very important in these projects. And I just wish that more and more projects like these come up. I also... I was interested before you mentioned how you learn a lot uh, via like tools like Facebook or other social media or internet in general. Are there any uh, channels, any profiles, any accounts or any 
Facebook pages or something, any specific ones that you think that, or even like some new site that, that you actually rely on to like be up to date with these things might be design or technology or any photography. I ended up learning a lot, lot of software on my own. So for me, using tools like Rhino, Grasshopper, all of this, I self-learned via this website called Digital Toolbox. I was also a lot into like learning how to create these amazing, realistic architectural renderings. And at that point, there was this guy called Alex Hoxfer. I, I don't know if I am pronouncing his name correctly, but... It was a really amazing workflow that he used to follow, which was very simple and very efficient. And I think it totally falls in the category where you can do better with so less, you know, which was like one of the most amazing uh, websites which I had seen. I want to ask you also about food. Yes. What about food? What kind of food do you eat here? And do you cook? I'm not too picky about food, but I definitely miss the spicy Indian food, which I'm used to. I do not cook a lot. You can say I hardly cook. Uh, I, I definitely enjoy eating outside. And for me, one of the favorite cuisines here is uh, Mexican food. It's almost to the point where people would say I'm addicted to it. Do you find any Indian food here in the States? There are a few places which, uh, like especially here in Massachusetts, you do find good food. And it's only after living here for five years that like I've come to a point where I know, okay, if I need to eat a certain food type, I will go here. Well, I'll also disclose that one of the nicknames of Saurabh is uh, DJ Parata. <laughs> Sorry, Zora. But oh, so God. he, we, we found <laughs> so um, frozen Indian food in the US can be amazing. Like it's uh, actually really good. Both like paratas or tandoori naans or like tikka masala or bangambarta. <laughs> so I've, I've actually learned all this food thanks to Zora. And you're on the road to desiness. Okay, if you could send a message that would be heard by like everyone in the world, uh, what would it say? One sentence. I think simplicity is something which you are completely comfortable with and which you don't have to think about. And that's why definitely it's a very relative term. Doing more with less would be one of like the regular definition. But I also feel that for every person... The requirements are different. And for me personally, as a person, if I can do what I want with ease and I am happy with that thing completely, that's what I would define simplicity as. Can you name someone that you think is successful? I don't have a specific name at the moment, but I, I just feel I respect, I respect more the people who even after failing didn't lose hope and persisted who even after a lot of difficult situations still have not lost the spark within them. And I think it's more important on the way you deal with situations. That's what defines you. And I feel for me, that's what defines success is being able to still stand tall even in the midst of problems. So are there any apps that on purpose you don't have installed in your phone? 
Well, we'll skip this question because I just remember that Saurabh has like 4,000 <laughs> apps installed. <laughs> I guess, uh, like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's true. I have a lot of apps, but frankly, like, it's all about, like, I think I hardly use 80% of them, you know? So I think <laughs> I definitely have to, like, learn from you and kind of start removing the clutter from my phone. <laughs> What's something exciting you did this year? No, one of the most exciting things right now is uh, I like putting myself out of my comfort zone. So I recently started teaching myself how to spin a contact stuff, which falls more under like flow arts. And you can look it up. There's a lot of different props that you can use, which fall under the flow arts. The contact stuff is one of them. And... For me, one of my friends taught it to, uh, like, the basics of it to me. And now I've really found it exciting to learn more by myself. And for me, it's become more of a meditative exercise now, which I really enjoy with the music on. So coming from India, I'm interested in how do you understand meditation? Is this something that you learned when you were younger? Is that something that is cultural there? Or is this something that... It's definitely not something which any person would know just being in India. I did get a glimpse of it because my mom used to actually teach meditation. She uh, used to teach Reiki, art of living, meditation and uh, Brahmavidya. And I, I never was very interested in it, but I knew about it because my mom knew it. Do you have any recommendations? Maybe on books or other things that might make the life of other people simpler? Uh, in terms of books, I would say I'm not exactly an avid book reader. Like I used to read a lot before, but now somehow for me, the medium has changed. I somehow prefer articles and videos more because it takes less time and it's more informative. I definitely like looking at videos from which speculate of how the future is going to be so it's exciting to be able to see that where we are currently in terms of technology and what speculations are okay before i forget uh can you tell people where they can find you online and yes this is a bit of self-publicity for you oh my god <laughs> well you can surely find me on facebook by my name saurabh mahatwe And uh, you can also uh, look at my Instagram handle, SM8928, or even LinkedIn. What is your website? My website is www.saurabhmahatwe.com, my name. Pretty simple. Getting simple. <laughs> okay, before we start wrapping up, is there something that you would like to talk about? For me, it's really interesting that um, like you gave me an opportunity to speak here because... It also gave me a chance to like think about these things, which I usually don't, you know, like there's a lot of things that, okay, subconsciously I might have thought about, but putting me here on the spot kind of like actually gave me time to think. This definitely was an amazing opportunity to reflect on a lot of things. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad that, <laughs> that you feel that way and that it's actually something positive that you're going to take from this interview i'm really happy to have had you here uh today and i hope the listeners enjoy it also i don't know this is starting to be like hard because like uh this interview had to happen this week because uh we're probably not gonna be living on the same city <laughs> in the next months 
So yeah, that was a, a great opportunity. Are there any other hobbies that you have? Definitely, like I really love to make things and I try to associate a lot of the hobbies by making things. So for example, as I said earlier, I have been learning to spin a contact stuff and For me, it's not just about the art of spinning, but I want to eventually even fabricate and make my own contact stuff. And uh, I'm really excited to be doing this as side projects during weekends where it's definitely not work, but it's something that I'm really excited about. And it's taking the same skill of a designer to do it, which I enjoy. What do you think of the life cycle of a product? Like of like when you fabricate something, but then you have to trash it and like where all that goes. I think definitely looking at the longevity of a product is really important. That's something that needs to be considered at the time of designing. A lot of people end up focusing more on the way things look rather than what they are made up of. Are you comfortable with uh, physical clutter? My desk is usually really messy, but it's not messy. It's very organized mess. And it's more of, I know exactly where things are. And even though I'm working in an office, because by nature, I'm a maker, I really like to have all my tools around me. And for a lot of people, that might be a crazy mess. But for me, I know exactly where what is. And I know when required that I can use something which is within an arm's reach. What's your favorite movie? One of the movie which I really loved was The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Not just about the movies, but the ideology and also the songs. It somehow really connected with me. And I would completely say, if no, uh, you ha guys have not watched it, you should watch it. The main soundtrack is by Jose Gonzalez. Jose Gonzalez, yes. Oh, my right. love. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, for me, that because of that movie, I ended up knowing about this guy too. And it's amazing that I've been even listening to his songs, you know. Yeah, you can find Jose Gonzalez on Spotify and also under uh, Junip, J-U-N-I-P-P, which is a band that he also has been touring with. Well, so this was um, the Getting Simple podcast with Saurabh Matre. Thank you so much, guys. Before you go, I would like to say that uh, you can join uh, the mainly list of Getting Simple at gettingsimple.com forward slash follow. And there are a couple more ways that you can help out with the podcast. One is uh, rating the podcast on the iTunes store, which this is the best way for other people to get to know it. And also, uh, the podcast is now um, on Patreon, so you can support it financially with like a couple dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash getting simple. And there you will be able to become a patron and access uh, some of the podcast releases in advance or some things that, that we put there as extra content. Well, thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys.